You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network is fueled by joy. Joy Dog Food has been in business for many decades, since the 1940s. They've never had a recall. They only use 100% American-made products to bring you a dog food formula that is going to keep your hounds on their feet and performing at a high level late round bound the next bear race the next cat race whatever you got going joy can keep your dog fueled up i personally feed joy for this reason they are not afraid to get in the trenches and get in the fight they will show up at a local meeting where people are trying to pass tethering laws or uh, breeders bills or whatever and put their name on that and put their reputation on the line to support us so find joy dog food on the internet find that dealer locator find a dealer near you and if you can't find the dealer then feel free to call josh michaelis on his personal cell phone make sure you call him about four o'clock in the morning fueled by joy all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to the truth on the houndsman xp podcast network and today i'm lucky enough to be joined by my friend mr robbie Rhodes, how you doing robbie doing good you i'm doing great uh i was just thinking the other day uh, whenever we talked about doing this podcast i think the first time i met you was out at autumn oaks was it not yeah we had those puppies off of trader and lily you know yep. the, uh razors off that cross yeah that'd been razor and demon and all them yeah that'd be then yeah and con was a baby then too because we had uh some of con's litter out there you got one you brought one of them females home with you if i remember right yeah we brought one we brought one in back with us when we come back yeah we bought that back i think as a starter dog i don't know where she ended up but i was just thinking about that the other day man you've known each other because con turned seven in july so this will be seven years now yeah it's been a good while and the funny thing about them uh when we bred the trader um you know he won the nationals about what about about a month before month or two before yeah. autumn oaks yep and uh nobody wanted them puppies but sure enough when after trader they didn't know who trader was but after he won the nationals 
that was a uh, them puppies sold for I think fifteen hundred dollars a piece. That yep. was before them, that was before high price puppies. Everybody wanted them. I know uh, he brought that big white joker out there that year and put him behind the booth. We had the uh, big show game calls booth and Trader was back there with the big banner and everything. And he was such a just an eye catching dog. You know, he was a hundred pounds <laughs> at that time. He was a little fat and uh he'd been he'd been easing off since nationals i think with him and laying around because it had been hot you know and trader was a little on the heavy side not too bad but he was back there with them great big blue eyes and that great big dog and everybody wanted to come by and take a picture with trader yep everybody did robbie uh let's talk about because we're going to talk about a lot through all this but and and one of our big conversations are going to have to be are going to pertain to sambo uh sambo i've got to hunt with him twice i've drawn him twice and i always did like that dog and the what you did with him of course was spectacular you've done a lot of winning with him but when did you uh get first lay eyes on and get your hands on sambo robbie who i'd have to go back and look but it's been it's been six seven years ago mm-hmm. what Wesley Hamby had him. He won a junior, his junior super stakes with him in 2016. And, um, after that, Wesley had some things going on and contacted me about hunting him. And I got Wesley. I said, just come in here and go pleasure hunting us one night. And at the time, the dog I was hunting at the time was an old dog named boss. And still to this day, he's my measuring stick. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just, just powerful dog. And he brought, sam down here we hunted them two there together at night and i actually still got the picture of it and uh boss treated coon and then we went to another place and cut loose and boss got through that country and on the way to boss sam treed two coons layup coons in the boss on the exact same creek we was walking that boss went down and i knew right then and there i said this dog was kind of special and wesley left him with me and uh we started going to hunt from then and i mean I don't think it's nothing I've done. I think anybody can win with him. I mean, he's just a special dog. And he was—he's a crossbred dog. Yeah, I and, think other than I think other than the Ruby dog that Wes Hamilton's got, he's the second leadingest all-time crossbred dog in PKC money-wise. And he is out of uh, was it that dog Chad Doolin had? Right? No, no, no. Well, he's off of a dog that was off of bad habit, one of Jerry Moles females I and, gotcha. a, and, and his mom was a full blue tick female that was heavy rambo bred what uh did you ever hunt with his mama no no i think she was more or less just old pleasure dog really that's amazing and sambo's throwed some pretty good pups yeah he actually um he's got two that's uh going to the world next week they in the top 100 of the world next week yeah and in PKC, he ain't got like over a little over a hundred pups. And in PKC, I think they got close to seventy or eighty thousand one, and none of them's hit really no big lick or nothing. So he's he's doing pretty good in the stud pen. That's good. Where's Sambo at right now? He's out there in my pen, just laying around. That's, that's where he'll be. That's where he'll be till he dies. <laughs> just just relax and enjoy. Is, do you still hunt him any? I still hunt him about every other night. He yeah. actually turned he actually turned ten years old Friday and. Uh, he actually, you go out there right now, he acts like a three-year-old bouncing in a pen when he sees you. That's good. I like that. So tell me about where you're at, Robbie. And I'll, let's back up a little bit. 
Uh, when did you start coon hunting? Did you have you been doing it all your life? Did your parents and get you into it? Who got you into it? No, um, my parents. Actually, my grandparents raised me and my brother. And uh, my my grandpa, he hunted a little bit, but never uh, never coon hunted much. But uh, no, I actually I actually started with a um, wanting to go coon hunting, but I never had nobody to go coon hunting with. But my neighbor, all my life had beagles and i've i've run beagles with him all my life well i mentioned him one time i'd like to go coon hunting well he's another beagle man that i've known shoot my little say almost all my life now since i started coon hunting a guy named randy adcox and uh so my neighbor got me in contact with him and he'd come by here and pick me up every single night and uh, we started coon hunting and i just fell in love with it and i mean if it wasn't for him i'd I probably wouldn't even know nothing about a coon dog, but I mean, an unbiased opinion. My my opinion, there ain't a better dog man in this world. He's as good as they've ever been, and uh, he's coon hunted all his life, and he sure knows what a good one is, and and how and when to get rid of and when to keep them till they die. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good mentor to have. I wish I'd had one of those. <laughs> yeah, we we we. Me and that man has walked a uh, walked and rode a million miles together. And if he called me and said, "Hey, let's go hunt tonight," I was waiting on him on the front porch, and we hunt almost all night. And the next morning, I have to wake up, and get to go, and have to go to school. And you know, I'd have to wake up, and go to school, because Grandpa wasn't gonna let me go hunt the next night if I didn't go to school that day. That's right. That's the same policy I have with my kids. If we're out all night, you better get your butt up early in the morning like we didn't so it, hunt all night <laughs> so it kind of it kind of come down to how bad do you, you want to go you know yeah what about when did you get your first dog uh, randy would give me a few, a few of his few of his that wasn't cold but they weren't the best ones and i'd go you know i'd, I'd pull around with them and then uh man we we'd get a few dogs here and there me and my brother he hunted a little bit with me coon hunted and uh if we just had a dog that would go out there at the time when we hunt by ourselves and bark, we were just as tickled to death as if it was, you know, running a tree. And I think I had more fun then than I do now because it was, you know. I agree. I agree. It turns into, I know when I look at them guys that are, you know, they got a whole pack of dogs and they turn them loose and they finally tree a coon that week, you know, after four or five nights of hunting and they take a big tailgate picture of it and they're all excited. I envy those guys. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, because I remember, I remember when I'd go out there and sit, and you know, at the time I thought my dog was just as good as everything else, and it would go out there and just run a deer. It never would get treed, but I was proud of it, you know, and I thought I had something. But looking back, I mean, now to what I got now versus then, I think if if I could go back to that and and be that excited, I mean, man, what would I, you know, it'd be fun yeah i agree what about when you made the switch and you started doing some competition coon hunting when was that uh we used to have an old club up here uh, probably 20 25 minutes from my house and we'd go up there and they'd have them trade days and dash races and treeing contests and me and my brother would go up there and we'd, we'd watch all that in the bench shows and we'd stay to the night hunt entry and we'd watch them guys being called out and going to their cast and stuff and you know i sit there and watch them i said if i ever get my chance i said i want to take advantage of it and uh anyway guy pleasure hunted with 
he let me borrow one of his dogs one night and I got to go on a cast and I didn't win. I can remember it like yesterday. I didn't win, but I knew going out there and hunting with them guys and hunting against them. I, when I got done with that cast that night, I said, this is, you know, what I'm going to take serious and this is what I'm going to put my time and energy in. This is what I'm going to do. What dog was you? What dog did you start out with? I had an old dog named Rock. He was actually a pretty darn good dog looking back, and he was directly off a of, uh, the old short stylish coma dog. Mm-hmm. Was and, he uh, was he loud like all them coma dogs were? He had the prettiest mouth I've heard to this yeah. day. I mean, it it was just you could he'd be trailing in there and get treed. I mean, just sit there and listen to him all night long. He just had a beautiful mouth. Now he wasn't no. He wasn't no coon dog, but he was a coon treer, and I think that's a lot. A lot of people don't see there's a difference between dogs that treat coons and a coon dog. He treat coons, but he wasn't no coon dog. Yeah. But he was a pretty good dog. Did you did you do much winning with him? Yeah, I think I actually made him a night champion. That's back when you had to, what, have a first place win yeah. and yeah. so many points or something. Mm-hmm. So it was actually having a night champion was actually like you had something back then. I remember. I remember. I'd have killed for a dog for a dog that was a night champion back when I was fifteen, sixteen years old. Yeah, and I think when I made him night champion, I mean, I was on cloud nine, you know. Yeah, yeah. When did you start hunting for money? When did you start doing the PKC stuff? Oh, probably when I was seven, seventeen or eighteen, yeah. hunting. You know, for here and there for different people handling dogs. Was it a different level as opposed to, you know, you're hunting with Rock and these little UKC hunts and you're making him a night champion, which at that time back then, both registries had really good dogs in it. I mean, it was tough to make a dog a night champion, you know, especially at Grand Night. But did you see a different level of competition whenever you switched over to the guys that were hunting for a little money? Being just, just the unbiased opinion, yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a... Uh... It was it really was a different style of dog, a uh, totally different style of dog, but it was it, different, you know, no disrespect, just a different class class of dog, you know? Yeah, no, and I think uh, it's kind of blended a little more now, but there was a stretch there years ago where uh the the difference was even bigger. You know, it was, start, it was a stark difference, probably about that same time, at least here. You know, there were the the level at just a local $30 hunt was way higher than at a local UKC hunt, which I don't think that's the case as much anymore because it's a lot of the same hunters. You know, you'll go to a, a $30 hunt and you'll draw the same guys on Friday night at a UKC doubleheader. And I think the Tournament of Champions kind of even that playing field out to where these guys with good dogs that were running state races and stuff like that were still going to get their five wins, you know, so it's, it's made it a different deal. The biggest thing i i seen starting out versus now um back then i think you i mean in my opinion i think you still gotta be a really good handler but back then i i think being a you had to kind of be a little bit better handler because back then you was getting a lot of like calling contests you yeah. better be fast but now you can you know with dogs split up you can kind of just you know let your dog you know ease and you know get treed and then tree it you know yeah, I think the the best handlers uh, are, you know, it's hard to handle in one of them calling contests, especially if you got a dog. And the dogs were different then, too, because the, those Naylor, Trackman, 
bone collector one bark tree dogs that you could you could tree halfway through a big locate which is what we all want you know but when they're in a pack those dogs are pretty handy you know oh, yeah. there's no settling in they look up they let that great big old locate up you get first tree on a on a tree with three other dogs that are getting ready to pile in with him you know and that's or, my and, and that's my biggest my biggest thing as far as a handler and me having a dog i gotta have when that thing locates i better be able to tree it good or bad it better stay yeah yeah that's the one of the things that i make for and look for is the dog has to stay treed even when they're all spread out and there's no pressure on them and stuff you know take a pro sport hunt where a dog may have to be in there treed for an hour hour and 15 minutes while you walk away from it and then you turn around and you got to walk back to it uh there's no reason a dog can't leave a tree you know that that's going to kill you in every cast but back then it was easier to stay treed because you know you had three dogs with it keeping that dog competitive on that tree and then you were headed straight there you know them dogs didn't have to sit that long i 100 percent agree with that so when did uh y'all you've, you've had some success robbie uh chkc pkc ukc everything uh when did you start winning you know when did you start going to those hunts was it pretty immediate did you was there a big learning curve did you take your lumps or did you was you just uh one of those guys that showed up and all of a sudden everybody started throwing their wallets at you no it wasn't like it it was kind of a learning curve kind of thing it was kind of you know hit and miss you know you you go to a cast and you know, I'd go into a cast and I'd lose, but I always try to take something positive from it. I always try to, you know, hey, I can do this better next time or this situation occurs, do something different. You know, I didn't just go straight to to winning or, you know, being on top. I, I had, I, hey, I was up on, the, on that mountain down in that valley, you know, I was like a roller coaster. And, but I, I tried to learn something from every cast, good or bad. I always tried to, you know, with, what did this handler do or what did this person's dog do that, you know, maybe I could have controlled or, or what rule was used that maybe I could use, you know? Mm-hmm. What, and, uh, when did you start? Cause um, most of the, most handlers like myself and I assume you and everybody else, they, they go through different stages and levels. You know, we start out pleasure hunting. Uh, we work our way into some smaller events, some $30 hunts and some UKC hunts, and we start getting successful there, and then we kind of work our way up, and then next thing you know, we're at a world hunt over at Super Stakes. Or, uh, was that the same way with you? And if so, when did you start You know, going to some of them major events, and when did you start being successful there at a high level? Oh, well, I, you know, back in, the day, back in the day in South Carolina, like the Jasper Jamboree and a lot of these jamborees, these open events was, Back in the day, these pretty big things drawing over 120 dogs a night, and uh, I hunted an old dog named Swiss at several jamborees, and you know got in with her, and and then I started hunting a dog named Boss, and he was just a powerful dog, and he'd done some winning, and then I actually uh, the Lily bitch that um, the Razor dogs mm-hmm. off of, I hunted her and done some winning with her, and and then really when Wesley. Uh, asked me to hunt sam i mean that's really when it all kind of come together and it come together real good for me yeah let's talk about sam and that's one of the reasons we're going to get into this is we're going to talk about sam and his ukc uh the world hunt that never was i guess we could call it i don't know what you'd ever call it but uh that didn't sambo's win and did not start at the ukc world hunt that year uh no the first time i remember uh, you doing well with Sambo was in CHKC at that world hunt. 
uh i remember uh we were i was there and we were in the tennis center and you said you were going to coon dog and this is before any of it started and you were confident you knew the dog was ready and right uh tell us how sambo was looking going into that and then tell us about your run at the chkc world hunt i hunted that dog like a madman yeah um and i think as a quote i've always had stuck in the back of my mind bear bryant said if a lot of people want to win but a lot of people don't want to prepare to win and if i go to a hunt i'm always prepared to you know put my preparation in throughout the week and i think that's what it takes and uh i'd hunt him like i said i'd hunt him from dark to daylight and let him rest for three or four days and i thought when i pulled out of my driveway i i could go to kentucky up there to chkc world and 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 at least have a chance to compete if not you know get where i got to with him mm-hmm. and he um we got up there I think it was that Tuesday because I had to work at Monday, but I think we got up there that Tuesday, but I don't think we done no good that Tuesday night, but that Wednesday night, we doubled up and got made it to Friday and then Friday early and late, he looked really good. And then Saturday, um, in the final four, uh, he didn't look the best, but I mean, he still gave us a chance, but I don't, he didn't look the best on that Friday and ended up finishing fourth overall and won 20,000. But at the time, um, with the CHKC thing, the final four payout was eighty thousand total, which we all split for twenty thousand. But at the time, it was the highest uh, purse for a world hunt ever. Yeah, and I don't think people don't understand how big uh, the CHKC world hunt was back then. I mean, the dog oh, it was huge. The, yeah, the dog numbers were huge. Uh, the best of the best was down there hunting that rule set which at that time was the best rule set available you know no leash lock three minute trees 30 minutes you or 30 seconds you walk off the tree and recut uh they did some things wrong at chkc Uh, i don't want to get into that but at that time when sambo was out there uh that was one of if not the hardest hunt uh to get into into getting the final four anyway and looking at his scores on his double cast win and stuff like that i I don't remember him off the top of my head and i didn't want to go back and look at stuff before we did this because i kind of wanted it to i wanted you to fill me in more than me to try to fill you in of course you were there so (laughs) but uh it looked like sambo just looked good all week and then caught a few bad breaks in that finals i think he made a den tree or something like that if memory serves yeah he uh man throughout the week the cast that he won i mean he just he dominated and um that saturday night cast he treated a hollow tree and on the outside of it it was there was nothing and then on the inside of it you could look up to it it was just it was just slick he just made a bad tree and that just took him out of it but he yeah. thought he, you couldn't have to, you couldn't have told him he didn't have it but they wasn't nothing there yeah what uh where'd you guys go after that because i'm trying to remember what time of year the chkc world hunt was was it in it was in the spring if i remember right in march it was in it was in March, yes. and then uh, um, oh gosh, after that, I mean he's, I mean since then he's, he won the South Carolina State PKC hunt. He's mm-hmm. been in the, he's been in, the top sixteen of the PKC state race for, like six seven state, I mean six or seven years in a row now. He's ten years old, just turned ten, and he's seventh in the state right now, South Carolina. Wow. And uh, 
I know it's crazy. And uh, that was my goal for him this year is uh, I just like to give him in the top 16 one more time and get one more jacket, just a kind of a farewell kind of thing. And uh, uh, he's been in the quarterfinals of the PKC world several times. And uh, and that is one of the hardest things to do is double out, double up at the PKC world, much less win it. I mean, doubling up, I believe, the hardest thing to do. Um, I agree. It's hard to get a double cast win at the world, huh? And it gets harder every year. Oh yeah, and he's been in. He was in the final four of the Grand American. He won the uh, South Carolina PKC Hall of Fame hunt. Uh, he was in the final. He's been in the final finals of two truck hunts, pro sport and uh, the PKC truck hunt. And dog just been. He's won some invitational hunt. Dog just been been a good dog. So let's talk about the UKC run and the events leading up to it, during it, and after it. The Truth is sponsored by Havoc Hunting Supply. When you are looking for high-quality gear, go to the people that understand the demands you put on your gear. Havoc has a full line of top-quality hunting gear that meets those demands. Rugged hunting vest for the big game houndsman to the sleek, high-speed low-drag vest for that late-round-bound competition hunter. Havoc has what you need. The Havoc website features a complete line of hunting gear for this serious houndsman, and they feature that iconic Havoc logo. Go to HavocHuntingSupply.com and order your gear today. It's time to turn the hounds loose. It's time to wreak some havoc. Yeah, you say I didn't. You you say I didn't mention that one. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I, I want to talk about Sambo and I want to talk about all this stuff. And I'm going to be honest: when all that stuff came out uh, with the UKC World Hunt, um, of course, me and you are friends. Uh, me and you have have not, had known each other before that happened. Uh, we always made it a point to talk whenever we were at the same event together. Uh, you were hunting. You know, you bred a female to trader. Uh, I'm still sitting out here with a female out of razor. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff that you you did uh, with your female Lily and breeding her to trader and all that stuff. Those dogs are still around and they're still reproducing. Uh, so I'm biased as opposed to uh, at what you're reading, what you're seeing, and you know as well as I do that social media uh, takes things and they bind it around and where it's really hard to understand what to believe. And I just wanted to bring you on here to tell your side of the story you know exactly what happened how it happened uh the events leading up to during and after and so well, let's get into it and just talk about i mean of course you got him qualified for the ukc world uh you took him to an rqe i assume he done well and uh you head out to zones and i believe if i if memory serves like i said i didn't want to go look up any of this stuff because i wanted just you to tell me i didn't want to form an opinion before it started and be any more biased than i already am so uh tell me about uh you got sambo you got him through an rqe and you head out to the zones and i believe that's where the issue was was it was it at zones or was it at the top 100 oh no it was at the zones. Okay. it was from I thought, it was from I thought saturday it was. night at the zones okay. yeah so you hunted friday and saturday night at the zones correct yeah hunted both oh yeah okay tell me about the friday night cast first uh friday night he looked good just couldn't just couldn't catch a break he looked good and just couldn't catch a break so it come down to saturday having to win a cast and have some points to make it to 
the top 100 which the world hunt wasn't 30 minutes from my house that year yeah was that the year was that the year it was in what year what where was it that year the world hunt elberton georgia elberton georgia that's what i thought i thought it was in elberton so that kind of i guess you could say added more pressure to get in the top 100 yeah yeah so tell me about the saturday night cast start to finish well let me go back on my memory I say I want every detail. What what was you drinking on the way out there? Did you have a Mountain Dew? Did you have a Sprite? <laughs> it was probably water. I drank a lot of water. There you go. Uh, it was a. I think it was a bad, screwed up deal from the get go, Josh. Yeah. I mean, we go out there and we turn loose, and um, we go out there and turn loose, and dogs. The dogs I was hunting with shouldn't even never been there. If that makes any sense, it does. And, anyway they go 15 catches one and they get out there and strike and i strike for 25 well i think 15 20 minutes uh goes by and um sam's tree half a mile and on this edge of a cornfield and we go down there and score him and that plussed him up and he had a coon that gave him 150 plus and they gathered him other dogs up and the other dogs got some minus. He withdraws. So there's two dogs left. And uh, I think there's probably maybe an hour left, if I if I can remember right now. Don't, don't hold me to it how much time. But anyway, okay. we'll go turn, these, we'll go turn them, these two dogs loose again. And, I mean, Sam fires in there, and he gets struck for 75. And the, and, and the other dog gets struck for 100. And the dog that's still left in the cast, he had won his cast from the previous night. So he, you know, it'd be crazy for him to yeah, he withdraw. Can't, yeah, he can't withdraw. Yeah, he, he needs to win his cast to, to double up too to make, I mean, at least uh, make it to the top 100. And uh, Sam goes in there and he gets treed. And anyway, we go in there and score this tree of Sam. That other dog's on the, he's probably four or 500 yards from us. And they just two of us left. Uh, me and a, the other guy handling the other dog and we're going here into this big oak tree and we get to shining and i swear i see the coon and i call him over and i say like, i think it's a coon and he said i don't think it is but i knew we had some time left so i wasn't gonna sit there and you know argue about it mm-hmm. jump up and down about it but i swear it was and uh time was up and we kept his dog back up to go to another place and we had like 15 minutes left and uh Anyway, we this is when it all gets really good, I guess you could say, and hmm. we, we go cut these two dogs loose again, and I'm still carrying 150 plus, and this other guy's still at zero because he hadn't done nothing all night. Well, his dog goes in there and strikes for, if I'm right, I think I took a hundred strike right then, and when I took that hundred strike, I felt pretty darn good. Yeah, because I knew if, well, I knew if I could just get treated again, I could do pretty good, and you know have two coons well anyway he uh he struck his dog for 75 and he gets down there and gets treed and me and him walk down there and score his dog and i do hear sam he's he's probably six seven hundred yards away and uh and i think we did have three or four minutes left in the in the hunt and uh he scored his dog and I think he had a coon. I'm not exactly sure. Like I said, I kind of done forgot about it. And 
hadn't my memory ain't as good as it used to be but as we was walking through the top of the hill i tree as i think i do and we still have time left mm-hmm. well he the judge says i don't we don't have no time left well it's always been said that you know this is what really gets good that we had no time left i tree him and we added a coon to the scorecard right and uh anyway we drove around and sam was treed behind the house in a pine tree a white pine no reason i I know it was a white pine because we don't have them around here yeah and i did walk into that tree by myself and he did have a coon nobody else went with me i mean i ain't got nothing to lie about now and uh and we come out and you know i've only ever told me and another person plus the other guy that was there that night having a dog what really happened and we added a coon to the scorecard there ain't nothing to sit here and lie about it no more about you know mm-hmm. and uh i mean it is what it is what it is a stupid thing to do yeah it was it was stupid but the reason the coon was added wasn't because he had treed in that white pine it was because when we got down there man on that judge's last tree he said he seen my coon in that other tree but he said it wasn't so that's what really happened and we did we added a coon to the scorecard so your judge was <laughs> your judge was saying on that first tree that on he, the second tree on the, the second, second tree, tree he's seeing a coon now he didn't he didn't put it down at the time but he's saying that there was a coon there now yep and that's what that's what happened we he said well i seen it down there in that yeah the so, second, so the it second. wasn't his final tree in that white pine that you added it was the the second tree of the cast well, we we added it as the third tree. I got you. But I was I was really getting it back from the second tree because we couldn't go back on the scorecard. I see. You get what I mean? But you know, did I cheat? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did I add a coon? Did I add a coon? Yeah, I did. Did I do wrong? Yes, sir, I did. I mean, yeah. But it is, you know, it is. Ain't no use crying over spilled milk, you know. Well, my question is, Robbie, if you known what was going to happen. Uh, you know that you was going to go on and win the whole thing and even before this come out would you do it again no knowing what i know now it wasn't worth the headache it wasn't worth me it wasn't worth it wasn't worth none of it josh yeah and you know everybody always everybody always the the story is with with uh, ukc and stuff is that we added the coon we was coming back up the top of the hill and talking about adding a coon and the coon was added from the white pine tree behind the house mm-hmm. and that was the tree it was on but really we added it back from the second coon that he had in the second tree and what about the judge and the handler uh, i don't know their names we don't even have to mention them if you don't want to i can't remember uh but the judge was obviously okay with it uh and the handler that was left in the cast mm-hmm. He was apparently so we, okay with it too. Well, it was all it was was me and the judge left. It was just two of them. I got you. I got. But they was a they was a spectator and they was a they was a, a guide which I don't want to mention no names. But yeah. you know they was they didn't do nothing wrong. I mean, all the fault was on me. I was the one that chose to add it. You know. What about so you move on to the top one hundred? Uh, tell me about those casts and how they went, and then I was just I'm going to kind of pick your brain as you go through this, if you don't mind. Well, 
thing. First and foremost, when I mean, I knew the next morning when I left to come back home after zones, I knew right then and there I'd have screwed up that this was not going to be good. Yeah, it it didn't matter if if I had if I went to the world hunt one or if I went to the world hunt and placed a hundred. This what I done the night before adding the coon was not going to be good. Yeah. And but it was kind of one of them things. It was too late to even talk about so i just went on ahead to the world the next week like nothing had ever happened and that was stupid i shouldn't ever even left my driveway to go to the world hunt i uh, this is uh this first of all uh, i'm i'm kind of stumped here as to what to ask you because i was going to ask you you know during this world hunt run uh was this in the back of your mind that you had added this coon this is all going to come out this is going to tarnish not only uh you but also sambo and you've already answered that question but uh what about when you get out there and you get in the cast and you see how sambo's operating what are you thinking then i'm thinking that i have screwed this dog over i said this dog is do i deserve to win the world hunt no i knew I, I knew the night that the final cast, when the when the the clock struck zero, that you know I didn't get all emotional up there or nothing like that. I was more or less like you idiot. You ain't done nothing. You don't deserve this. But I sit there look at that dog and I'm sitting there thinking this dog has done nothing wrong and he deserves it, but I don't. If that makes any sense to you, that makes complete sense. I got goosebumps <laughs> when you just said that. <laughs> Because Sambo don't know what's going on around you. You know, Sambo just knows his job and that his job as your coon hound is to go tree coons for you. And so he's obviously good at it. You know, you you talked about all the things that he'd won, you know, before going into this. And so I, I would be at a dilemma myself as to, you know, I know I messed up, and I, I assume you're feeling the same way right now. I messed up bad. I'm an idiot. What am I doing? But I can't take this away from this dog because he deserves it. Is that kind of what you were thinking? Yeah, it was one of them. It was one of them kind of things. Like, you know, if 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 it comes down to it, I'll take I'll you know I'll I'll take the fall. But it ain't the dog's fault. I don't want him to take the fall. But you know, as as I've learned, when you go out in the woods. You and that dog, your team. So if one screws up, I guess you both screw up. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. And that's exactly what happened. Um, we had a few meetings and a few phone calls, and it was determined to take the. I think it was 2017 UKC World Hunt was. I guess I'm the only person to ever have a World Hunt script from them. But you know, looking back at the time, was I kind of furious? Yeah, for the dogs, for the dogs' um, sake. But looking back now, no, I deserved it. That was that was one, and and people call me crazy, but that was probably one of the best things in life that's ever happened to me. Is having something like that happen that you worked so hard for, taken away for you from you because you know you didn't really earn it the right way. And so you talk about being stripped and and. For those that don't know, and most people that's listening to this podcast are going to know, uh, Sambo looked fantastic during that top 100 in the UKC World Championship that year. Uh, he did everything he needed to do. 
he won the world hunt and then uh the questions about zones came out how long after the world hunt did those questions start start coming out robbie oh god it was it, i think it wasn't it was right the next day that was a saturday night sunday morning i mean it was it was blowing up yeah did anything I mean, did, were they mentioning anything before you went out there to my knowledge, I think it was maybe known, but I don't know if the cat had got out the bag yet. I think it was it one of those deals where they see you're winning now and you won the world hunt, and they're saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. It, and I think that might have could have been what happened. I cannot exactly remember, Josh, but I know the next day on Sunday, I mean, instead of text messages congratulating me, which I had some from people that didn't know what was going on, I had three or four text me. Hey, you need to you need to be ready for what's coming. I mean, I was, I had three or four people text me the next day that you know this ain't gonna be good. That what we've been hearing, you know. Because I know the final cast came out. You got done. Uh, word started moving around that what had happened at zones, and then they decided to have the rehunt. And I know Cheyenne Cummings is part of that. Uh, Dalton, I think, brought. Uh, Shaq out there. Uh, who were the other dogs in the final cast? I can't even remember now. Oh, there was a guy from Pennsylvania with a one of them Lone Pine dogs, and and then there was a guy from Alabama that ended up winning it. Uh, a tally guy, tally. Yeah. I can't with a black and tan. Yeah. But you know, I will say this about uh, Cheyenne and the the tally guy that was hunting the black and tan out in the in the rounds up to the final rounds the people that had heard the talk about the coon being added at the zones you know i got the utmost respect for like cheyenne and the guy the black and tan you know they they never mentioned nothing about it they just they went out there and hunted just like they had to win too but i mean they even in the cast that nothing was ever brought up you know just a lot of respect for them guys to, you know, to, to go out there and hunt with me, even though they knew something was wrong. I shouldn't even be there. They still went out there and hunted with me. I know um, when I spoke to Cheyenne, he's done this podcast with me before, and he didn't even want to go back out and hunt. He made Dalton go. Uh, I don't think Cheyenne even went. Dalton went out there. I think he had, and I don't want to put words in Cheyenne's mouth or, or tell him, or try to say exactly what he was thinking, but I'm just assuming that he assumed he lost the world hunt once. He's he don't deserve to be back out there again. I think may have been his mindset. You know, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just guessing. But um, and one and yeah, one thing about one thing about Cheyenne, you know, after they took the title away from me, um, they took the title away. They they sent me paperwork where they had took the title away, and you know, did I deserve it being took away? Yes, sir. Will not never argue but with anybody about it and uh when that march i get to the pkc truck hunt and make it to the final four and mm-hmm. and shy and cheyenne with shack was in the uh finals with me yep. and uh it was never mentioned it was it was never mentioned i mean you couldn't ask for a, a better person i mean he was this awesome to hunt with he never mentioned at one time that hey you know i I, you know, screwed people at the world hunt and that I shouldn't have ever been there, you know. What, uh, 
Yeah, I, I love Cheyenne and Jennifer and Dalton and that whole family, and they are, you're right, they're just absolutely fantastic people. But you mentioned that you were at the truck hunt shortly after um, all this came out. How do you deal with the aftermath? I mean, did it make you want to push harder? Did it make you want to kind of slow down? Uh, what were you thinking when all this came out and UKC stripped your title? And as you said, deservingly, you said you had it coming. Uh, what were your feelings after that in dealing with the aftermath and, and trying to continue doing the sport that you love? If I told you it'd be easy, I'd be lying to you, but it was tough. Um, but I learned, like I said, I thought winning, I, I thought winning the UKC world hunt or winning a world hunt in general would be the best thing in the coon hunting world that ever happened to me, Josh, but losing it the way I lost it and being stripped of it was the best one, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And if a man, you know, a man say, you crazy to think that. No. Um, after all that happened, I found out who my friends are and, you know, I found out that who's got my back, even though they knew that I was wrong, they still stuck by me. Um, my brother, hundred percent. I mean, he was there, uh, got a friend named Josh Martin and, uh, two or three other people, you know, even Elliot Shuler, they don't have the dog at the time. I mean, they stuck, they stuck by me and, um, that proved a lot, but going to, you know, being barred from UKC and going, starting to go to PKC hunts again, you know, just walking in the room. I mean, you could feel like all eyes was on you and people was judging you, but I found out there's always going to be people that's going to like you and there's always going to be people that don't. So, and there ain't nothing me or you as a human can do anything about so i just kind of i just kind of thought of it as that and you know whoever wants to i guess give me a second chance give me a second chance and if you don't then i can't do nothing about it you done made your opinion well robbie i think that's a as good a mindset as somebody could walk in back to it after something like that happens uh, you mentioned being barred from UKC. Was that a lifetime suspension? Was it a yearly? Was it indefinite? Uh, is that something that's going to continue on? I don't even know. No, I, um, it's not a lifetime. Uh, it's a suspension until I pay a fine. And, uh, you know, I could pay it and be back in. But uh, right now, I don't. I have nothing against UKC at all. I just I just feel like it's better if, if I don't, you know, and and just kind of stay out their way because I don't want to bring no um, no negativity to, to their hunt. Just say I, you know, was to show back up and pay yeah. my fine and, and hunt UKC again. And just I think maybe this might be negative on UKC, and I ain't, I ain't here to make enemies no more. Right. No, I never thought of it that way. I mean, it would be, you know, I mean, just imagine if you took a dog and you got it through zones. I mean, you'd have to have a 10 person panel out there with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know they because everybody and not that you would i know you wouldn't you know do anything you i know you'd mind your p's and q's now but everybody doesn't know that you know no you and you always gonna have you know even even in pkc or pro sport if he was ever you know if i was there ever win another big hunt you always have people speculating well did he do it right and i don't blame him because i mean i done one wrong so you always gonna speculate you know yeah no, nope, I, I agree. And then I just think, Robbie, this is such a good example. And you learned it the hard way. 
Uh, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we always tell these kids coming up, you know, that, that things matter and that what you do today is going to affect you tomorrow or down the road, even if it's a decade down the road or something like that. So uh, do your best to do things the right way all the time. And people that don't understand uh, you, Robbie, is that up until that instance, you were a guy that did things right, you know, 99.9% of the time. You know, you the wins you had at CHKC and, and Super Stakes and World Hunts and truck hunts and things like that were done the right way. And so it was just this one, you know, momentary lapse of judgment that, that gets people labeled like that. And I try to express that to uh, these younger kids and these youth hunts and stuff like that. And I think you're a shining example of, you know, we just got to do things the right way all the time, no matter what. Yeah, if I mean... I don't care if there's a hundred thousand on the line now. I, you know what? I mean, if I can't win it, win it the right way, I'm not going to win it. Oh, am I still competitive? Oh, I'm probably the most competitive person you've ever met. Well, am I still going to use the rules against me, against you and my advantage? Yeah, because that's the rule book. But will I go outside that rule book ever again? No, I will not. And it's it's not something you made a habit of before this either. I mean, you were no, known you were known as a guy that was a, a straight shooter and easy to draw on a cast. Uh, you were going to do your best, just like all top handlers do with for their dog. But you weren't going to bend any rules, or you were going to bend some rules, but you weren't going to break any. And then this happened. I think some I think really sometimes as a as a handler, and I think a lot of other handlers will tell you that sometimes the the pressure's on and you feel like you got to do something extra when you you really don't you make a dumb decision and that dumb decision like all decisions in life you got to live with and that's one i got to live with and you know a lot of people uh posted and and i heard said you know i would have never done like nothing like that well let me tell you i didn't think i would either until i was in the, in that situation yeah and it just i made the wrong decision but I got what was coming for me, and did I deserve it? Like I said, yes, sir, I did. I deserved every bit of it, but the dog didn't. The dog didn't do wrong, but we as a team, he suffers because I got caught. Yeah. Well, Robbie, I couldn't put it any better. What's next for Robbie Rhodes? You know, you said he's going to get another coat for Sam. What you, what you got coming up? I know you got dogs behind Sambo, and I know you're going to keep doing this long term. Am I right? Yeah, I got some puppies, and I always tell myself I want one more good one, and I'll quit. Well, my best friend Josh said, Robbie, you could have one more good one, and you're going to say it next time, too. You're going to say, well, after this one, you want one more good one, and you're going to quit. He said, you'll hunt till you die. And I guess I will. I mean, I just, I don't know. It's something I love, and I don't guess I'll ever give it up. I mean, when you think about it, you know, throughout the day, I guess you do love it. Yeah. And, yeah, I got some got some young dogs. We got coming up going through with but it's once you have a good one like sam it's it's kind of hard to replace them it really is are you gonna get are you gonna try and get sam you say you're still hunting him you're gonna try to get him one more big win are you just gonna compete locally with him yeah no i'm gonna try to get one more win with him like i said he turned 10 friday and we're gonna we're gonna until i see that he can't go no more i'm gonna keep hunting him are you going to be out at Salem, Illinois with him? Yeah. If I can get through our uh, regionals up yeah. here at Union, Union, South Carolina, if I can if I can double up there one, one either the Friday or the Saturday night, I'll be at Salem, which I think them regionals have 
I think that was a great idea whoever come up with it. Uh, I know exactly who come up with it. I'm going to take credit for it because I did it. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I think I think it was a real good idea. I mean, it yeah. it gives it gives a lot of guys a chance that you know don't get to go be able to to go up there. You know, yeah, that was the goal behind all of it, and we want to be inclusive, and we even want to include sorry old cheaters that are on the mend, Robbie. But we uh, <laughs> you know, you we was talking about uh about I told you it was the best thing ever that me that that I got caught yeah that with that and getting stripped of the title and and a lot of people would pr probably wondered when they hear this how was it the best thing that happened to you well i ended up selling sam about a year after that um i sold him to elliot Schuler, and then elliot and greg maynard they teamed up with him yeah and uh but and one the first got, the first time i drew sambo was in a late round with greg maynard handling him out at the world Hunt. yeah yeah, and Greg had him up there in Ohio, and Greg hunted him, and Greg done good with him. With uh, that's when CHKC was still going too. He done some winning in CHKC, and he done some winning in PKC with him. And uh, anyway, um, I wasn't hunting. I had quit, man. I just I quit for just cause of other things. For like I said, probably about a year and a half, just quit hunting, and I didn't even have a dog here. And then Greg. Uh, got all of him from Elliot, and Greg partnered up with uh, Caleb Wilson, which lives about two and a half no hours north of me in mm -hmm. South Carolina. And um, Greg, I think, ended up selling him all to Caleb. So he's sitting up there at Caleb's house in the pen, and I had started wanting to back hunt again, but I didn't know where to go. didn't know what dog to find, but I had to eat. I was like, I'm ready to start back. Well, Caleb calls me and had the blue one day, and I don't even really know him. But I know he's got the dog. I know Sam's two hours from me. Me and Caleb get to talking. And he said, uh, you ever thought about coon hunting again? I said, yeah, I have. He said, well, what about Sam? I said, uh, you serious? And he said, yeah. So I think two or three days later, I went up there and picked Sam up. And he's been at my house ever since. And this is where he'll die at. And, and man, you couldn't ask for a better person to hunt for than Caleb Wilson. I mean, he's he's been good to me and i mean if he if i quit coon hunting day or he quit coon hunting day we'd still be friends and a lot of people that hunt for people are not like that but i mean our friendship goes from more than just coon hunting but he's been a blessing to me and i mean if it wasn't for that one mistake i would have never met caleb and i mean it's worked out it really mm -hmm. has and, and the good lord blessed me tremendously well, I think, Robbie, that your story is going to help, you know, a lot of people that are that are going to these hunts. And, you know, maybe they'll listen to this podcast and, and their dog's treated in their deep by itself and they've got it handled and they're getting ready to win a bunch of money and they see a coon a couple trees down and nothing in their dog's tree with their thermal before they get there. And the thought crosses their mind, maybe I should just move that dog. You know, maybe something like that happens to somebody else and they listen to this and then they think of you and Sambo and, and how that happened and, and think maybe, you know, they'll just take their lumps as they come. Uh, it's a powerful and valuable lesson uh, that you've taught us here today, I think. Uh, maybe people will disagree with me, but I'm super happy you came on and, and told me you know, your story and all that stuff and I, like i said buddy I, I sure appreciate it if there's anything else you want to add to the listeners uh, i'm all ears 
ask? Oh, the only thing really, Josh, I can say, you know, you know, since I'm back in the woods and back hunting a good bit to hunt, you hear about all this cheating that goes on. I mean, I don't, even though I've done it that once, I don't see it as much as people say they do. Yeah. Um, you know, most of the time, 95% of casts that I'm in, I mean, they're smooth. I mean, I, you don't ever see no problems hardly. You know, I think people need to learn the rules a whole lot better than they know already. And, uh, I mean, I always make the right decision. Don't do not do nothing crazy. I mean, like I said, you and that dog, the team, do the right thing. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do from now on out. That's well spoken, and I agree, Robbie. We're going to go ahead and, and shut this off, and I, I sure appreciate you visiting with us. Uh, good luck to you and old Sam out at PKC Zones, and I hope to see you in Salem uh, whenever you double up and bring him out there. Yeah, I'd like to be there. All right, this is Josh Michaelis, and uh, you are listening to The Truth on the Houndsman XP podcast, and I really, really appreciate you joining us.